Canada Hoops is proud to be presented by and partnered with Betstamp. Find the best odds for your sports wagers by using Betstamp to compare the best available odds. Get your betting edge as you shop for your odds across all of your favorite sports books. The true edge in online sports betting is having multiple accounts at different sports books. With Betstamp, you can link your sports books using BetLink. Download the BetStamp app today. BetStamp. Bet like a pro. And now, Canada Hoops, hosted by Maddie Ireland. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Canada Hoops. It's your boy, Maddie. Thank you for your continued support. Please continue to download and share us. Our guest today represents Edmonton, Alberta. He is a former Harry Ainley Titan, Alberta Golden Bear, and Edmonton Stinger, and is the current head coach for the Nate Ooks. And he was recently named the head coach for the Stingers. And of course, he has also represented Canada basketball make some noise for Jordan Baker. Jordan, thanks so much for joining us on Canada Hoops now. Thanks for having me, Matty. Yeah, uh, I've been looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, you've done a lot for the game uh, in your city and your province. Um, so I'm excited. Uh, how are things, Jordan? Let our, our Canada Hoops listeners and your fans know how you're doing, man. Good. Um Things are busy. Got a lot on my plate from uh, a coaching perspective, making the shift from professional player to professional coach in the CEBL. And then obviously, you know, in the thick of things in the ACAC season. So um, looking forward to, to starting things up here in the second half and starting 2023 in the right way. Yeah, I know. Uh, I think if I saw correct uh, right now, the Ooks are, are six and four, right? So what are you looking to do here in this is second half for your team here, man? Yeah, so six and four puts us second in our division. Um, top two teams get a bye to the uh, final eight championship for the ACAC. So you know our goal is to is to hang on to that second spot, and we've got a, a great month of January here to test us. We got games against the teams that are you know directly below us in the standing. So we have the opportunity to separate ourselves a little bit from the herd. Um, but again, uh, you know, with Christmas break and coming back. After a, a few weeks off, it's always going to be a challenge to, to get guys ready and energized yeah. um, and on the same page, uh, you know, early in, in January. But that's our goal. Um, I wanted to ask just kind of, as of right now, do you have any uh, like coaching duties uh, for the Stingers on your plate or are you just working on your, your Ook season? And then once that wraps up, you'll kind of jump into the, the Stingers. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm working closely with Steve to try to put together, you know, a, a list of guys we'd like to go after um, for the Stingers roster. Um, in terms of, you know, actual coaching, obviously we don't have a roster put together, so day to day things are a little bit lighter now. Um, that'll that'll ramp up in in May, um, but lots of administrative stuff, trying to put together a coaching staff, trying to put together a roster. Um, trying to figure out, you know, what our schedule is going to look like, what our 
practice facility is going to look like all those those fun things those logistical details that you know the head coach isn't necessarily responsible for but you know i want to be want to be involved as much as i can in those things yeah that's cool and then i'm just uh you know i know you started to coach at nate as you were still playing for the stingers um but just the coaching role and aspect overall jordan like was that something you sort of always envisioned for yourself um you know, as you were playing? Yeah, I think, um, you know, because both my coaches, or both my parents, sorry, coached at um, the collegiate level, um, with my mom being the, the head coach at the University of Alberta for for more than, uh, than more than 15 years. So I'd been immersed in that world for a long time. And, um, you know, I never really considered it until, you know, my fourth year at the U of A where, you know, I suffered a, a season-ending injury and was trying to find ways to be able to contribute and help the team. And, and I found that, you know, being able to give guys not necessarily coaching help, but being able to, to share some insight from, from my perspective on the bench and, you know, having obviously done. Um, how cool is it to work alongside Steve? Uh, you know, his role as a GM, uh, you know, you're both, Edmonton legends, really, uh, in terms of basketball, um, just talk about that unique relationship and that opportunity you guys have uh, as you move forward. Yeah, I've known Steen for a long time. Um, you know, he's obviously done a lot of great things as a player. And, you know, for him to step into this role and be able to, you know, put his fingerprints on the Edmonton Stingers roster and what that looks like is is exciting and, and him and I get along really well I think what we value in players aligns perfectly um so you know in building this roster and and, and working together I think we we share a lot of the same perspectives and uh you know we're hoping to be able to put something on the floor that um you know does a good job of representing Edmonton in the way that we uh would be proud of nice I love it um Jordan Lamb, man, let's run it back. You know, tell us about a, a young you running around Edmonton. You know, you talked about being around the game. I know uh, both your mom and your dad were players, and obviously she coached, and uh, he did as well. Um, just talk about, you know, how the game really started to take shape for you and, and just that whole scene for you as, as a young a youngster. Huh? Yeah, so, I mean, I spent a lot of um, afternoons and evenings um, in the main gym at the University of Alberta um, with my mom coaching. And so I essentially had a basketball in my hands the second I could I could hold one. Um, and, you know, I just remember some of the, the memories of me playing and being a part of things in Edmonton as a, as a kid. And I know the one memory that sticks out was, was always every year, you know, in February, going to Harry Ainley and watching the Triprov high school basketball tournament. And, you know, thinking, well, one day I'd love to be able to play in this. Um, you know, it's just down the street from my, my house where I grew up. And so, you know, to be able to, to go to Harry Ainley and play as a Titan was, was special. And I think that tournament, um, you know, holds a lot of, holds a special place with a lot of people in Edmonton. And, you know, it's, uh, it's always a fun atmosphere packing that small little gym um, on a cold Saturday night um, in February. And, you know, that was one of the, the fond memories of my childhood. And, um, you know, I, I love going back there even as a, as a coach now doing some recruiting, um, being able to sit in that gym and, and enjoy the, the high level of basketball there. 
Uh, I can imagine the, the Baker family uh, runs were competitive, man. Just talk about, you know, getting um, that experience, you know, through your family and just having that competitive edge. I mean, how, how special was that, man? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm an only child, so there wasn't uh, it wasn't a ton of sibling on sibling competition. Right. Um, and my parents, my parents hung it up long before um, I was ever at risk to uh, to play against them. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think just having them as a resource. You know, we would come home from an under under thirteen community league game, and you know, they would dissect the game and say, "Well, what about this play? You could have been doing this better, or you did this well." And you know, just being able to have those coaches in my corner always giving me feedback, always helping me to think the game a little bit, um, a little bit more than the average kid, um, certainly helped my career. What uh, you know, you started loving your loving the game, obviously, and developing your game. You know, who did you look up to on the basketball court? Your whose game did you really like, Mom? Um, you know, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I I started watching the NBA sort of in the, um, the Kobe Shaq Lakers era, yeah. um, you know, in those, in the, in the early two thousands. And, um, you know, so I really was a big fan of, of those, those two. Um, and, you know, just the way that when, you know, things got tough and series got close or games got tight, you know, they always seem to step up and, and make plays. And, you know, even a guy like Shaq who, didn't really shoot the ball well from the foul line. It always seemed like he made the ones that mattered. Right. Um, you know, and so that entire Laker group um, was uh, was a fun one to watch, and that sort of really got me hooked on the game as a you know a young eight nine year old. Nice, I love it. Um, you know, you mentioned Harry Ainley, Jordan. Um, you know, you're a Titan legend there, and that school has produced a lot of really good players. Um, you know, just take me through your high school years. You know, where you're really starting to truly work on your game and and develop the passion as well uh i know you were a standout there and one of the best players in the province just talk about your your ainley years man yeah um you know can't talk about my time at ainley without talking about my high school coach george hoyt who's you know a a legend in in edmonton and in, in alberta in terms of what he's done at the high school level um you know he's now moved on he's my my assistant coach at nate right and he will more than likely be my assistant coach with the Edmonton Stingers. So um, him and I have, are very close. Um, it wasn't necessarily the case at the time, but, um, you know, he really pushed me in high school, um, knowing that, you know, I had a high ceiling and I had a lot of potential. And, you know, he he definitely knew what it took to, to push me to be a, a better player and to be a better teammate. And, you know, he really instilled that, work ethic um in me as a player and you know we didn't always have the most successful seasons but you know we we worked hard at practice and got after each other day in and day out and and made sure there was no missed workouts no missed practices and um you know the culture that he built there over you know 12 to 15 years um winning multiple provincial titles um you know that kind of speaks for itself but you know he was a big a big part of my development in, in years where, you know, I needed to, to be pushed and I needed to, to have some direction in terms of where I was going to go with basketball. Yeah. Shout out George. I've, I've never met him, but I know of him obviously. And I know other people speak highly of him as well. And, uh, 
you know, he's always willing to not only help his own players, but other players in the area just kind of work on the game. So uh, I always think that's great when, you know, we have people like that around us and in our community to just really, you know, take care of each other. Um, you know, what schools were you considering, Jordan, when you were getting ready to graduate? Um, I know in a lot of ways, a U of A probably seems like a lock, but uh, given your, your family's ties to the program, but were you looking at any other schools? Uh, just just take us through that, man. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I knew that I wanted to stay in Western Canada. Right. Um, the three schools that I, you know, was seriously considering were UBC, University of Calgary, and then the University of Alberta. Um, those were the big three. Um, and I think what it came down to was there was two other players that I played with um, on the under-17 provincial team and the under-15 provincial team that I was very close with. And, you know, we had success winning a, you know, under-17 national championship and then finishing second um, the following summer. And so we'd had some success and we were excited to, to play with each other. And we were, you know, very much on the same page in terms of what our goals and aspirations were at the post-secondary level. And, and U of A fit in the mold for all three of us being able to go there um, and because there was a lot of turnover with a new head coach and Greg Francis, we figured there was a lot of opportunity for young guys like ourselves to step in and make an impact right away. And so, um, you know, that's what the decision came down to is where, where can the three of us go, um, be valued and, you know, sort of make our imprint on the, on the program and, and U of A fit the mold. Well, I mean, great choice for you. I mean, you're, you're, a Golden Bear legend. Your time there was truly special. Uh, you are the program's leader in career points, rebounds, assists, steals, and minutes played. I think that still stands correct. Um, you were a Canada West All-Star, Canada West Player of the Year, All-Canadian, Canada West Champion. Um, you know, it's clear that you impacted the program Um but how did being at Golden Bear impact you, Jordan? Just talk about that, you know, and what it means to be probably regarded as the best ever to lace it up for them. Just talk about the impact that your time there had on you, man. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a tremendous program. And, you know, as a high school guy um, trying to make my decision, I didn't really grasp um, the history of the program, um, the history that Don Horwood established you know, winning three national championships and, and having gone through it myself, it's not a, not an easy feat. Um, came up short, you know, in the national final one time, finished third another. Um, you know, it's not an easy thing to get to the national tournament, never mind to win it three times. So, right. um, you know, the University of Alberta is a program with lots of history, lots of success at that stage. And so, you know, for, for us and our group to be able to, to go through and you know, rack up a couple of more Canada West championships and to, to sort of build on that legacy. Um, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, now that I step back being a few years removed, um, you know, it, it sort of set the foundation, you know, with Barnaby Craddock coming in in our last two years of eligibility, um, it set the foundation for, you know, what's transpired over the last eight to 10 years um, and having, you know, excellent players coming through multiple national tournament appearances, um, you know, and, and being able to be a program in a school that's looked at as, you know, a perennial contender. Yeah. I mean, 
listen to Canada West is, is tough. I mean, um, I know sometimes the other uh, leagues throughout the country get a lot of love, but, uh, you know, traditionally we always have, or I shouldn't say we, there's always strong programs, you know, UBC, uh, UFC as of late, and obviously U of A. Um, you know, it's not an easy feat to win the, the West. Um, you know, as you're going through that, Jordan, like just, you know, there's a lot going on. You're a student athlete. You're trying to keep your marks up. Um, you know, you're figuring maybe who you are, uh, figuring out who you are as a person. But, you know, are you aware, like as you're going through that as a player, there's time there, were you aware of just like kind of how special uh, your time was and, you know, the impact you were going to have or were you just trying to focus uh, on the day-to-day, man? Um, yeah, I mean, we we tried to take it game by game. Um, the first couple of years, you know, we finished 10 and 10 my rookie season, um, 14 and 8, I think it was my second year. So we weren't necessarily dominating the league or anything like that. So we were, uh, we were focused on trying to get better every day, focusing on the next opponent. And as you mentioned, you know, you're, you're going up against tough teams, storied programs almost every week. You know, you've got the University of Victoria that's won multiple national championships. Right. Um, UBC, as you mentioned, you know, and every, every weekend you're dialing up another opponent that, you know, you've got to be on top of your game in order to get a couple of wins. Um, and those back-to-back games are always tough. It's always challenging to get a sweep, especially on the road. So, um, you know, we were really focused on doing that. And, and I think, you know, as I entered into my fifth year, um, you know, we had very high expectations for our group and that was when we sort of took a little bit of a, or I took a little bit of a step back and said, well, you know, now all of a sudden I'm approaching some of these records that you mentioned before and you know, none of that stuff mattered because we wanted to come home with the ultimate prize. We wanted to win the Canada West Championship, and then we wanted to go on and win a national championship. And that's what we were focused on. And and I think our group, you know, we had a lot of seniors that year, you know, six or seven guys that were moving on. And so it was our last run at it. And, um, you know, those memories um, of that final year and of the years prior, um, you know, you don't really realize how special they are until you're out. And you don't get to go to practice and see those guys every day. So, um, you know, reflecting back on it, a really, really special time in my life. And, um, you know, that's probably why I'm also involved in coaching. I want to be a part of that team, that team aspect, the collegiate sport aspect, um, just because it's so impactful on so many lives. Yeah, well, well said. Uh, you know, great summary. Jordan, uh, you know, you finish up at U of A. Uh, you know, what options were you looking at? as you were looking to turn pro, just kind of take us through that process and, you know, the leagues you were exploring to to start your pro career, man. Yeah. um, I think, unfortunately, you know, I think I graduated about two years too early um, before some of these high-level international leagues were really respecting what U sports, then CIS players could do. Um, so it was definitely an uphill battle for guys that graduated sort of a little bit before and around my time was, you know, you had to get your foot in the door in a lower league, showcase what you could do, and then try to work your way up, you know. And so I signed with an agent and tried to, you know, just find a first job and ended up being, you know, a guy tore his ACL um, in Germany and they needed a guy kind of later in, in October and 
that's when I got my first opportunity to, to play professionally. But yeah, it was challenging not signing throughout the summer and trying to figure out what to do if, if no one came calling. But, you know, luckily I stayed in shape and was ready to go when the phone did ring. Yeah, so I have, uh, you know, you started Germany, started in Germany, sorry, and uh, you also played in Portugal, Japan, and China. Um, you know, just talk about that that pro career overseas and just some of your memories, you know, maybe you got a, a crazy story with some of the fans and, you know, do you got a, a favorite place that you played in? Um, I actually really enjoyed living in Japan. Um, but, uh, yeah, my, my pro career wasn't, wasn't glamorous at all. That's for sure. Um, you know, a lot of lower leagues trying to prove myself worthy, trying to prove myself that I deserve to be playing in, you know, some of the top leagues and, and playing in Portugal was, was fun. Um, you know, it was, a it was the top league there, but again, you know, you have two clubs that have all the money and, and everyone else is kind of chasing what they're doing. So, you know, I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't play for one of those two teams. So it was a matter of, you know, trying to get our team into the playoffs. And and I was actually teammates with a former University of Calgary Dinos alumni and Jared Ogabemi Jackson. So the two of us played there together. And, um, you know, we played in the, uh, in the Portuguese All-Star game down, you know, in southern Portugal where, all the nice beaches and, and sand and tourist spots. So that was a nice little break from the grind of the season. But cool. um, yeah, it was, it was uh, not as glamorous as some people might think. And I think, you know, the, the CIS or U sports lifestyle definitely prepares you for, um, you know, the grind of, of being a pro. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like well said in terms of, uh, you know, the U sports timing, I know guys are getting a lot, better opportunity now um so i think you nailed that on the head in terms of the time you graduated because now guys are going to sports to you know play in acb in spain and and whatnot mm -hmm. but uh you also obviously you know playing pro in the cebl with your hometown stingers and uh you know facts are facts tremendous career with edmonton as a player um and so in my eyes, your, your pro career uh, finished up in a tremendous way. Um, you know, lots to talk about in terms of the Stingers, Jordan. I thought when they had you uh, announced as a player, it just was a perfect fit, made a lot of sense. Another opportunity for you to represent your city and your province. Um, you know, just how special was that to be able to do that and just have that chance to play at home in front of friends and family, man? Yeah, the um, I was actually retired because I broke my jaw playing in Japan, and so I had kind of stepped away and started started to coach um, as an assistant at the University of Alberta. And so when the CBL was announced, there was a lot of question marks about who was going to be the coach, who was going to be the general manager of this team coming to Edmonton. You know, and honestly, there had been a few attempts at a professional league in Edmonton that you know, kind of fell flat after a year or a year and a half. And so, you know, there was a lot of question marks, a lot of hesitation, but, um, you know, I was interested in, in rejuvenating the professional career. So when Barnaby Craddock came to me as the, as the coach and GM and said, Hey, we're 
trying to put a team together. Would you be interested in playing? You know, I jumped at the opportunity, like you said, to, to represent Edmonton and to play professional basketball, not only on home soil, but, you know, just in my backyard. So um, it was an exciting opportunity. And, you know, I think uh, the CBL has exceeded, uh, especially in Edmonton, a lot of expectations about what professional basketball could look like in Canada. Yeah, well said. I mean, uh, the league is off to a tremendous start, uh, adding teams in different cities and, you know, putting basketball in more markets, which is uh, crucial. I mean, uh, I'm excited to see the Stingers come down the highway and play the Surge. Um, you know, just just give give me some overall thoughts, Jordan, if you can, on just, you know, why the CEBL has been successful this far. And I know, you know, we try to highlight, uh, you know, the Canadian guys uh, with respect to having them back at home. But, you know, what, you know, you're, you're right immersed in the league, finish up playing. Now you're, you're starting your role as a head coach for the Stingers. Just, you know, what makes the CEBL special and, and important, man? The, you know, I think it starts from the top. Um, you know, the commissioner of the league, Mike Morielli, has invested a lot of time and a lot of effort in, in, into making the CEBL what it is. Um, you know, his experience with the CFL, I think, prepared him very nicely to um, put him in a position to understand what professional sport looks like, um, what, what things need to be covered, um, what things need to be in place in order to have a successful professional league. And, and if you're able to do that, um, then, you know, the talent is going to start flowing in. And, you know, he's kept it a very Canadian-based league. Every team's got to have the majority of players be Canadian. Um, he has, you know, along with the, the rest of the front office, you know, has made sure every single check is on time. He's made sure the travel is, is on schedule. He made sure, you know, that there's not a, a whole lot of crazy trips where people are having to leave and, and go on, you know, three-week road trips. Like, it's it's done very professionally. Um, and, you know, they've taken the necessary steps to make sure that, you know, from day one, the league was very well organized, very well managed. And I think, you know, that takes a lot of, you know, especially financial investment off the hop. But I think now, you know, as we enter into year five coming up here and, you know, they had to fight through a pandemic and invest a lot of money with no fans. And I think, um, you know, that investment in year five is starting to pay off, as you mentioned, as a lot of new teams are entering the league, new markets are saying, well, how do we get a CBL team? Um, and, you know, I think, uh, a lot of that credit goes to the, to the CBL front office who has stayed very consistent in their personnel, um, and their vision, uh, over the last four years. Yeah. Well said and shout out Mike. I mean, uh, he looks like he's a very hardworking man. And anytime that I've either gone to a, a CEBL game, uh, I was in Edmonton when, uh, you guys hosted the, uh, the finals there two summers ago uh, when you guys won. Mike's there. He's he's working hard. He's at Canada basketball events, um, you know, promoting the league. Um, so I think you're right, man. Uh, the league is in, in great hands. Jordan, I don't want to forget to mention, you know, your success uh, this far in the, in the CBL as a player. As you move into the coaching role, you're a two-time CEBL champion. You were all CEBL first team and a finalist for both CEBL Player of the Year 
and Canadian Player of the Year. Uh, so as you wrap up your playing career, uh, you know, well done, man. Well done. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, Jordan, uh, Canada basketball uh, news and notes and thoughts. Uh, we love to talk about Canada basketball here on Canada Hoops, um, especially with guests who have played for the program, which you have done. You know, for you personally, what did it mean uh, to play for Canada and have Canada on your chest, man? The the ability to represent Canada on the international stage is is really special. And I think, you know, that was always my goal growing up was how do I play for Team Canada? You know, whether it's at the under-19 level or you know, as a, as a Fichu Games guy or as a, on the national team, which was the ultimate goal, um, you know, how do I represent Canada? And, you know, you can talk about being a professional, you can talk about being a, you know, a U Sports All-Canadian, but I think being a member of the senior men's national team um, for the couple of years that I was there, um, that was, you know, the ultimate goal that I had as a, you know, 12-year-old kid trying to, trying to reach the highest level. And so, you know, to be able to do that and then wear Canada across your chest is, is really special and you know it is like you said an honor that very few get to get to do and um you know i certainly don't take that lightly yeah great stuff i mean that's that's kind of the basis of the podcast i mean i love to nerd out on the, the national team stuff and the program and uh it isn't an easy thing to do uh many players have said that you know it's a select group and a special group uh so i always say you know, to you and others as players, like you should be proud of that. Um, I wanted to talk about that U19 team, Jordan, um, in 09. That that team was pretty loaded with uh, respect to some of the all-time greats that have played for Canada and some of my personal favorites. Um, and you had some great rebounding games in those uh, in that tournament as well. I want to highlight that. I know you had a uh, big impact on the boards, um, but you were playing alongside uh, – Corey and Tristan, I know you're close with uh, Kelly. Um, you know, how much did playing along those, alongside those guys really help your game as well, man? Yeah, I mean, that's three three guys that are lottery picks. Yeah. Um, or I think Corey just outside of the, the, the top 15 there when he got drafted. But, you know, these were guys that at as far as, you know, 18, 19-year-olds, they were the best Canada had to offer. And you know, we're being looked at by obviously very high level division one programs and, and being, you know, projected to, to be picks in the draft. And so, you know, for, for me to be able to suit up alongside those guys, um, to learn from them, to, to see, you know, the, the talent disparity that I needed to try to make up, um, over my years in college was, was, um, you know, a lot of fun. And, you know, we spent a few weeks together in New Zealand at that, that tournament. And we wish we would have been able to place higher um, with that talent that we had on the team. But I think that was kind of the start of, you know, seeing that young Canadians could, could make an impact on the international stage. Yeah. Um, you know, with your time at the program, whether it was U19 or, or senior men's, um, you know, did you do, develop a close friendship with some of some of those guys after summers together maybe perhaps a guy that you didn't know that well and then you got to know through your time at the program anybody stand out for you man um you know obviously i knew kelly before playing 
provincial team and we played against each other in high school and like our parents are close. So right. um, Kelly and I have stayed very close throughout the years. Um, you know, you look at, at guys like Javon Shepard, who was my vet when I started playing on the national team. Um, you know, and now you see him back in the CBL as the GM of the, of the Ottawa club. Um, you know, guys like that I'm, I'm close with still. And even this, the scrub brothers from Carlton, um, guys that you kind of bump into along the way, uh, you know, they're always, um, they always smile. We always, you know, see each other on the, on the floor and pregame and always, you know, check in on the family and see how they're doing. But, um, you know, it's, it's a, like you said, it's not a, it's not a small thing to be a part of that group. And, and so when you, when you bump into guys, whether it's within basketball or outside of basketball, there's always that, that lifelong connection that you're going to have. Yeah. Nice. I mean, shout out Shep, uh, fortunate to have Shep join us early on in the pod and he's been a tremendous friend and, uh, you know, shares a love, uh, for us. So we, uh, we got lots of love for Shep and I want to shout out our partner, Betstamp, Jordan, check out Betstamp to get the best odds for your wagers. Speaking of Kelly, I found a great odd for a wager tonight. How about a plus 100 for our guy, Kelly, to get over 12 and a half points as the Utah Jazz take on the very bad Houston Rockets. Shop your odds on Betstamp, Betstamp, Bet like a pro. Uh, Jordan, when you look at the depth and superstar talent that Canada basketball has started to put on the floor, specifically the senior men's national team. Do you, you know, you're an alumni, you know, do you get excited like the rest of us in terms of, uh, you know, what's out there for rosters and high hopes for the squad, you know, as we head into the, the FIBA World Cup this summer? Just give us some of your thoughts on that, man. Yeah, I think, you know, I think I'm along with the, the masses in Canada and excited about the roster that we have the potential to put it on the floor. Now, I always have to temper my expectations because, you know, you see a lot of of Twitter general managers and, and things like that where yeah. they put their suggested, tw- they put their suggested 12 out on the, uh, out into the Twitter sphere. And, you know, unfortunately there's going to be injuries. There's going to be NBA contracts that come up that are, you know, conflicting. And, and so I always have to temper my expectations of, okay, well, this is the perfect 12. But what's the realistic 12? And what's that going to look like And when the World Cup starts um, in 2024? So, um, yes, I'm excited that, you know, even if it's not the perfect 12, we're still going to have a bunch of NBA talent. We're still going to have a b- bunch of high-level talent that's going to be there, um, giving us an opportunity to, to, you know, do well at the tournament. Um, but I always, you know, I, I hesitate to, to have too, too high of expectations just because, you know, it's not a perfect world and you're not going to get the perfect 12. Um, but I do think, you know, our pool of guys is now 20 to 25 guys deep. And so I think we're in a very good position, even if we don't get the perfect 12 um, to make a run at things. Yeah, well said. I mean, and I know uh, I try to be realistic too. And yeah, you want certain guys to be available, but that's not always the case. Uh, we saw it this past summer in Victoria at the qualifier. Uh, we had a, a little bit of a core of NBA guys and obviously Shea leading the way. Um, but look at the game in Edmonton against uh, Venezuela. Uh, I was there taking that yeah. in and uh, I think I saw you in the house too. And our talent is deep and that group 
uh, got the job done. And then some of those guys, you know, Phil and Tommy and, uh, sorry, Cassius, you know, they've been a part of every qualifier game. You know, those are going to be the guys that might tap in on the roster, uh, this summer for the world cup. You never know. And, and Melvin too, you know, Melvin's been a warrior. So I think we're in good shape regardless, like you said, and we'll just have to see how the, the chips fall when that time comes based on injuries and contracts. Um, Jordan, do you have a top five or favorite five of all time for Canada basketball? See, I do. And it's, it, it, I was given this some thought and, you know, I think there's guys that I really enjoyed, you know, when you play national team, you're, you're on trips, you're overseas, you're in foreign countries, you're staying in hotels, you're on long bus rides. Right. There's guys that I really enjoy being around you know, for all those experiences. And then there's guys that flat out, you know, get it done on the floor and, and step up when their names are called. Like you mentioned, you know, the, the scrub brothers and Cassius and Melvin and guys who have, you know, regardless of the situation showed up for Canada and helped us get to the place that we are now. Um, so there's a little bit of a, it's a tough distinction between, you know, guys that I really like who I would love to mention versus, you know, guys who I think deserve to be on, you know, that top, my top five list of, of impactful dudes. Um, I think, you know, Kelly as a guy, my age, um, you know, he fits the bill on both. You know, he's played in a lot of tournaments that other NBA guys have bowed out from. He's played during contract years. He's played when he's been a bit banged up and injured. Um, and so I think, you know, he, he's a no-brainer on that list for sure. Agreed. And then, you know, I look to, you know, obviously you want to put Steve Nash there, you know, just his impact of, of you know, being the guy that so many young Canadians watched growing up who are now, you know, the young Canadians who are suiting up for the national team. You know, he was a inspiration for a lot of people. Um, so him on that list also seems like a no-brainer. Um. But then that's where it kind of gets a little bit murky for me. Um, you know, I think somebody like Corey Joseph deserves to be on the list. Um, just seeing where he's progressed from, you know, that young kid from Finley Prep on the under-19 team to, you know, being a pro with the Spurs, being an NBA champion. I think he grew up a lot, and he stepped up for Canada a lot of times, like, very similar to Kelly when there were not a whole lot of NBA guys jumping at the opportunity to, to play for the national team. So Corey Joseph um, gets into my top five, I think, um, you know, and then I turn to, to some of my vets, you know, you mentioned Shep. Uh, he was a guy who was playing um, in high level leagues overseas. And then he would come in the, in the summers and, and play for team Canada. And not only did he play, but he was mentoring the younger group, you know, knowing that this, the Kelly's and the Corey's, um, we're going to be the next generation. And so he really went out of his way to mentor those young guys. And I know he still has good relationships with those guys to this day. Um, so Shep is there, you know, and then you can look at guys like Rob Sacri. You can look at guys like Denim Brown. Um, you know, there's a, there's a long list, Jermaine Anderson, Jermaine Buckner. There's a long list of guys who I think could fill into that fifth spot as, as dudes who showed up when, Canada needed them. They played at a high level um, and they also mentored that next generation. And so, you know, and I also have a soft spot for them because they were my vets when I 
um, was just coming onto the scene of the national team. So lots of lots of great names to choose from. Um, and then, you know, you look at guys like recent years, guys like Dwight Powell, you know, really Hell yeah. talented, really talented player. But, um, you know, he's also a great guy, big heart, cares about it, wants to do well, um, willing to take on any role you give him. Um, so there's lots of lots of options to choose from, which is a which is a great thing and a great luxury to have as a country moving forward here. Man, great answer, uh, great names. Um, I love the uh, the love you're showing. Um, I've never really put out a top five myself. I've thought about it a lot, but it's funny that uh, you mentioned Kelly, Steve, and Corey. I think for myself, just being kind of a Canada basketball nerd. Um, those guys are in my five for sure, uh, just because of what they've meant and represented, like you said. Uh, so I'm with you on that. Great answer, man. Uh, appreciate that. Jordan, any shout-outs or thank yous, man, before I get you out of here? And again, we truly appreciate you joining us on Canada Hoops. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, the one big shout-out from, from just recent years and recent times is – you know, to, to Reed Clark, who's the president of the Edmonton Stingers, taking a chance on a on a brand new professional head coach. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get to work and I want to thank him and the entire Stingers organization for the opportunity to to, to take a hold of the uh, the local team and, and hopefully, you know, get back to, to the CBL championship. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I was fortunate enough to meet Reed in November uh, in Edmonton when Canada was playing Venezuela. Uh, so perfect shout out, man. He's uh, just a good dude. He cares. And uh, I think the Stingers and and you and your staff and the players are in good hands just in terms of that that president uh, role. Uh, Jordan, man, we wish you all the best as you continue on in your basketball career. Much love to you. And uh, we're looking forward to, to what happens down the road for you, man. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And and all the best with you in 2023. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's a wrap on another episode of Canada Hoop. I want to thank Jordan Baker for pulling up. Thank you for listening. Shout out to Betstamp. Please continue to rate, review, and share us. Download Canada Hoops wherever you get your podcasts. Keep supporting Canada Basketball, and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Canada Hoop.